Good morning. It is so good um, being here with you this morning. Um, thank you to whoever did the slides uh, during the worship set this morning. Uh, those were some great personal touches, pictures from Ecuador, and I just really appreciate that. And um, I'm just thankful for your partnership in the ministry of Ecuador and what God's doing there. Um, because of your investment uh, in in the ministry of Ecuador, you are impacting the movement and growth of the Wesleyan Church there, and I just want to say thank you for that. Um, I think pretty much most of you are familiar with what Glo- who Global Partners is, but in case there's a few people that have no idea who we are, I just want to share a little bit about what we do. Uh, we provide global focus to the mission of the Wesleyan Church. We are all about amplifying local church mission for global transformation, building the message of hope and holiness because we believe everyone who hears the gospel of Jesus can be made new. The Wesleyan Church has worked in over 90 countries and has over 240 missionaries serving in 40 countries. We partner with individuals and churches to see followers multiplied, churches reproduced, and nations transformed. Um, Our focus as a ministry team in Ecuador is to establish the Wesleyan Church. Uh, We currently have four churches that have agreed to be a part of the Wesleyan Church, but we are not yet legally um, established in Ecuador. Uh, This has been a process we've been a part of for seven years, and we're hoping that this year is the year that we are finally established in Ecuador. Uh, My responsibility, um, a part of the ministry there, is uh, working alongside of children's workers, getting to know kids, Um, but basically empowering church leaders um, in their ministries and just walking alongside of them in life. Um, It's been a great joy um, just to get to know our church leaders and um, to work closely with them in the children's ministry. This past year, uh, we did a couple of trainings. Uh, The one we had in February focused on the very basics. What does it mean to be a Christian leader in life and in ministry? And how to prepare a lesson and why each part of those lessons are important Uh, We gave them some creative ideas and tools, and the exciting part of that training happened for me afterwards, as I visited the churches and their Sunday school programs, seeing them applying what they learned. Um, These leaders are very excited about their ministries. They love the kids they work with, and it's a joy just to sit and watch them work. Um, We had another training in April on a very real subject on preventative child abuse care, Um, Abuse is something that's very uh, real in Ecuador. Up until the mid-1990s, it was legal for a husband to beat his wife. Uh, Thankfully, that is now illegal, but the sad truth is it happens every single day. And a lot of times, kids are the victims of that abuse. Uh, So we've recognized as Christian leaders and workers, um, we need to address this problem. Um, You would be surprised to learn that many of our Ecuadorians really have no idea what abuse is. Um, The materials that we use for our training in April, the first half of it just focused on defining what is abuse and all of its forms. Um, I think it was a very eye-opening experience for them, um, and they were becoming more educated in this issue. Um, The second half of the book that we used uh, focused on eight lessons, lessons that these children workers could take into their children's ministries and teach to their children, teaching the kids that they are created by God, valued and deeply loved by him, and that no one should violate that. Um, After that training was done, one of our pastors came up to me. He said, Sherry, this is my plan. We're going to make this work. Uh, He told me the date that they were going to 
to start these lessons with our kids, but he said, before we even do that, I think our parents and our congregations need to know what this problem is and how we need to address it. Uh, So they had a very informational um, teaching with their parents and their congregation just laying out what abuse was. Um, I saw pictures because I had returned from the States the day that this happened, but they had billboards and, um, not billboards, I always, I can never think of this word, bulletin boards, (laughs) because billboards, that would be impressive. (laughs) Bulletin boards, and they did um, dramas to just, to just further drive home this important information. Um, recently, a friend of mine who is a children's worker at one of our other churches posted pictures of them uh, leading the kids through their books. The kids were sitting on the floor with their books wide open, and they were learning. And so it's exciting for me to see these children workers following through. That's always our prayer as, as leaders when we give training and teachings to our people We want them to follow through, and it's a joy to see them following through. Um, And I'm looking forward to when I go back. um, They are hungry for more training. They said, we'll take whatever you can get, give us. So I'm excited that they're hungry and wanting to learn to enhance their ministries there. I arrived in Ecuador in September 2013. Uh, It was my first Sunday at the church in uh, L14, we drove up this terrible road. Uh, you think the roads in Pennsylvania are bad. You have never seen anything like this before. Unless if you've gone on a mission trip to, to Africa, then you have, probably have an idea what this road was like. But anyway, we drove up this terrible road to the top of this hill uh, where one of our churches was. We got out of the air conditioning vehicle into the blasting heat of Guayaquil. Uh, for those of you who are not up to speed with geography, Um, Ecuador is on the equator. I live two degrees south of the equator. It is hot every single day of the year. I love it. Um, The Lord knew what he was doing. So anyways, we got out of this air-conditioned vehicle into the heat of of Guayaquil. I walked up to the uh, stairs into the church. that had absolutely no air circulation, but I was happily greeted with husband and wife, pastor team uh, Pilar Nino. Bienvenida, hermana. Welcome, sister. Uh, they ushered me to the front of the church where I was to sit, um, and worship music started soon thereafter. Uh, they don't have a band, they just use their voices, but these beautifully tanned people raised their tone-deaf voices to the Lord in worship. Uh, it kind of pinched my ear just a tad, but they were so, they are so in love with God that it was just moving. With each song that happened, the tempo increased, and before long they were just screaming. And it was just awesome just to watch them praising God with all their hearts. After a passionate message, I sat down on a bench beside an eight-year-old boy, and I swear I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into. He just started talking, and they always tell you that if you can understand a child, you are there. I was not there. I had no idea what was going on, but this kid was just excited to have someone listening to him just share his stories, and he thought he was hilarious, and he'd laugh, so I would just laugh too, just to give him a little bit of self-confidence boost, Um, but it was just fun sitting with him and just listening to him share his stories. Before long, his parents released me from his stories so that I could greet these people before they left. Uh, With each person, they would give me a hug, and each person would say, Dios la bendiga, God bless you. My heart was filled with joy because I was at the place where God wanted me to be. I met Giaconda about two years ago in the park in the, um, in the area where our church plant is in the neighborhood of La Bintino. 
Uh, Giacana had come to pick up her kids after the kids program that was held on Saturday afternoons. Uh, Giaconda, she comes from a life of prostitution, and the majority of her kids are the result of that lifestyle. Um, after she, her kids started coming to the kids program, she started attending the adult discipleship program on Sunday afternoons, and even started coming to prayer meeting on Thursday evenings. She would stick around at the kids program with her kids just so she could learn simple Bible stories. She had the pastors come to her house just to further explain who this God is and about his great love to her. She was starting to make decisions in the right directions. Her demeanor was uh, softened. She even had her three-year-old son, Sebastian, dedicated to the Lord, and I had the privilege of standing alongside of her that day. But then something happened. About a month or so after Sebastian was dedicated, she started coming less and less to discipleship program and prayer meetings. Her kids stopped coming to um, kids' program, and eventually Giacana just stopped coming to church plan activities altogether. The pastors were concerned and went to her house, and she shared with, him, with them that her husband wasn't too keen on church. In fact, he no longer permitted her to come to church plant activities because the church plant met in a park instead of a building. Giaconda walked away from those who showed her love and acceptance, and eventually she just walked away from Jesus, all because the church plant met in a park instead of a building. Can you imagine allowing the building to become more important than your relationship with Jesus? 2 Corinthians 4, 15 through 18 says, And as God's grace brings more and more people to Christ, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we've seen will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Um... About a year and a half ago, I went to church um, at L14, and I went with the intention of observing their Sunday school program. I walked up to the stairs, and the pastor wife, um, Pilar, she stopped me. She said, Sherry, there's this family of kids we need to go pray for. I want you to come with me. We took off for their house, and when we got to the house, it was locked. No one was home. She stood there and thought for a minute. She said, you know what? There's a family in this community that could use more prayer um, we need to go visit them. They have a teenage boy who is sick. As we were walking to our house, at, to this family's house, she was sharing with me about this illness, and it didn't really quite click what he had until we were outside of his house. He had meningitis. Um, as you know, this is a very serious um, sickness, and it can be very contagious. I was a little nervous about entering the house because I did not want to contract this sickness but we knew that we had to share Jesus with this family. We went in the house, and there was a bed sit um, on the left-hand side of the room, and Alex, he was propped up on the bed, um, leaning on the neighbor, and his brother, Carlos, was wiping the sweat off his face. I've never seen anyone so sick in my life. Uh, We just spent some time with them and talking with them, and, and we had a chance to pray for them, and we left. Later that afternoon, I got a text saying that Alex had passed away. 
I was nervous about uh, what was going to happen with his family because the family lives in a very poor neighborhood where alcoholism and um, drug abuse is very, very high. And I did not want this to be the fate of this family. But you know what? God was already at work. Um, about a few weeks later, after Alex's death, Carlos and his two sisters, Edith and Alexandra, they started coming to church. Um, they were becoming a little bit active, and they accepted Jesus, and they wanted to be baptized. Their parents, meanwhile, had wanted really nothing to do with um, the church. But when the three of them were baptized, their mom came um, just to show them a little bit of support. Um, God was working in the lives of their parents, little by little. Um, After months and months of watching their children uh, be active in the church and just seeing the transformation in their lives, their parents started coming to church. While all of this was happening, Carlos, the oldest son, he started dreaming. God planted a dream in his heart, and he felt like he was to be a pastor. He literally dreamt of preaching in front of people. He shared this dream with the pastors, and they plugged him into ministry, um, giving them opportunities to teach Sunday school and to preach on the Thursday night service. Um, they were teaching him them more and more about what it meant to be a pastor, why baptism was important, and they wanted to give him an opportunity to, to assist in a baptism. While all this was happening, um, his parents started coming to church. They realized that Jesus needed to be a part of their lives. They were saved. This past March, they had a baptism, the baptism that um, Carlos was able to assist in, and he had the honor of baptizing his mom and his dad. It was a, quite a joy watching, um, watching it happen. Um, I had goosebumps, and I even have goosebumps right now as I'm telling you this story, but it was just amazing just to see how God just worked in the period of a year in this family's life um, so that the family could all become believers in Jesus. There are lots of lessons us missionaries learn on the field. Um, I just want to share one of the lessons um, God has taught me. It's a lesson about faith. Every year, the end of October, beginning November, is a national youth uh, conference. The churches have all year to raise money for or it's youth camp, sorry, for this youth camp. Now, here in North America, when we have youth camp, our youth groups raise money all year round. You would think that would happen with Latino culture, but it's not the case, and it drives us American missionaries crazy. It was three weeks before youth camp. I was at one of the churches, and they were in giving announcements, and they said, uh, youth camp is coming up in three weeks. We still need $800. I about fell to the floor. And I was just thinking in my head, with my North American brain, how could you do this? How could you wait until three weeks before and still have need $800? But they had a plan. Uh, they were going to have an all-day event. The following Saturday, they were going to sell food um, and whatever else that they could sell. Uh, they were going to do uh, drama and just to draw people in to buy the food that they were selling. And they said, we are going to raise $800. Um, I admit, I doubted. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed like such a huge feat. This is a poor church in a poor community, and they say they're going to raise $800. Shame on me. The following Sunday, I was at a different church, but teammates of mine went to that church. Uh, we had talked later in the afternoon, and I asked, have you heard anything? Did they raise the money? And they said, Sherry, 
they raised it all right. They raised every single penny that they need. $800 in one day. And it just reminded me that nothing is beyond God. You can have the poorest of poorest circumstances and have a great need, and you know that you need it, and just putting all your trust in God, he will come through. He is so faithful to come through, and he proved it for these people. And what a boost for them in faith, and what a boost for me in faith. And I'm just so thankful um, for that lesson. Um, I will share one more lesson with you that God has taught me. It's just about his power and my weakness. My Spanish has come along, but I do not think that I'm the best Spanish speaker. I think I'll forever be hard on myself, but you know, God is good. Um, there are times that I get tripped up in thinking that, oh, I'm not the best communicator. I can communicate, but I'm not the best Spanish speaker. And then God reminds me, Sherry, you know, it's not about you and the words you say. It's about me and my Holy Spirit and what I want to communicate through you. And that has been such a big and powerful lesson to me in my life. And um, I want to encourage you, wherever you are, um, we all have um, inadequacies. We don't feel like we're good enough. Um, No one should be put on a pedestal. We are all in the same boat together. And there's times where we're going to feel like, I just can't do it. I feel I have this big weakness. But you know what? God wants you to do something so great for you. All he wants you to do is say yes. And he will speak through you and he will work through you because that is the power of his Holy Spirit. I want to share one more transformation story with you. It's about a man named Angel. I first met him after I took his kids home. I walked his kids home after the kids program at the church plant. Um, When I dropped the kids off of his house, he just looked at me, kind of scowled, and looked away. He was not a very friendly man, Um, but you know what? God got a hold of his heart. The church plan had a special service for Father's Day last year, and somehow they got him to go, and God grabbed a hold of him. God just completely transformed his life. Um, His disposition completely changed from that point on. I don't think I ever saw him without a smile on his face. Uh, He was faithfully attending church. He would stick around at the kids' program with his kids just to be an extra hand to help. His wife just sat by and watched his life because Angel comes from a life of abuse. He's a very abusive man. He was very violent. And I don't think she saw the transformation as real. Um, This past February, our church plant had their first baptism service, and he was the only man that was baptized uh, his wife came that day, and as he was going into the water, I leaned over and, just, and said to her, isn't it exciting? She just looked at me, but she didn't say anything, but she was just silently watching his life. After the baptism was over that day, um, I saw a glimpse of Jesus. Um, we were at a, the best way I can kind of describe it, it's kind of like Parker Dam. There's like a little lake area, and there's a sand So we were all standing in the sand, and um, all our feet were kind of dirty. And after the baptism was over, Angel and his wife walked up to where there's some benches, and her feet were pretty dirty. And he knelt down, cleaned her feet, and put her shoes on. I'm not sure if she saw Jesus, but if she didn't, she really missed it because I definitely saw Jesus. I'm not sure where his wife's life is right now, but I know that Angel is being Jesus in his home. And we're just praying that one of these days 
she's going to come around and say yes to following Jesus. In the meantime, we're just praying for her, but we're giving praise for what God has done in the life of Anhel. I just want to give you a few uh, prayer requests uh, for our ministry here, uh, for our ministry in Ecuador. Uh, Earlier, I just briefly shared how we want to establish the Wesleyan Church in Ecuador. Uh, There's paperwork that has to be legalized for that to happen. And like I said, it's been a seven-year process. Uh, The beginning of this year, we switched lawyers, and the lawyer almost assured us that this year will be the year that we get it. Now, in Latino culture, if they say we assure you that it's going to happen, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. But we are hoping and praying that this is a year that our documents are legalized. It's a big deal for both our churches and us missionaries. For the churches, it means that they can have possession of land and of their church building. For us missionaries, it means one less hoop that we have to go through for visas, and that would be a blessing. (laughs) Uh, So pray with us that God would... um, just smooth this process out that this, will year, this year will be the year that we get our documents um, legalized. Another thing that you can be praying for is um, we have a desire um, as a missionary unit to see um, the church expanded in Ecuador. Right now we only have four churches and it's between two cities. We would love to see uh, not only the Wesleyan church expanded, but we want to see the gospel. It's all about kingdom work. Uh, we want to see um, the church advance, but there is a problem. We need pastors. Pray with us that God would raise up young men and young women who will say yes to the call of ministry and, um, and that they would be willing to go whatever part of the Ecuador God calls them. This is a big deal because a lot of um, people don't really go outside too far of their neighborhood. So for an Ecuadorian to say yes to God calling them to another part of Ecuador would be huge. But God can do anything. So just pray with us as God um, calls leaders and that they would have a obedient heart to go where God wants them to go. And as we're talking about pastors, there's a certain thing that has to happen in order to become one, and that's theological education. Uh, We do not have a Wesleyan Bible Institute. So right now, um, in the past, our pastors have gone through a different denomination for Bible Institute, uh, right now, they are actually going through supplemental courses in, of the Wesleyan Church so that they are educated in doctrine and discipline. Um, we, need, uh, US, we need missionaries, either from the U.S. or Latin America, to come and help with theological education, uh, primarily within the Wesleyan Church. Um, so pray that God would meet this need and help us um, just continue to grow um, the Wesleyan Church in Ecuador. Uh, again, I just want to say thank you so much for your partnership. It's such a blessing uh, to have you partner in this ministry. I know the church supports me as, um, as supports me in the ministry, but perhaps God is speaking to some of you today about partnering with the ministry. Maybe it's making a faith promise. Uh, maybe it's being a prayer partner. I would love to talk with you to see how to help you figure out how God wants you to be a part of that. Um, being a faith promise partner is great. You can learn great uh, lessons of faith and encouragement um, as you step out and make a promise. Um, and prayer partners are essential. Um, the ministry cannot happen without your prayers. Um, many times it's the fuel that we live by. And uh, I just pray that you would, con- I would ask that you would continue to pray for this ministry. 
I know that you receive my newsletters, but if someone isn't receiving a newsletter, you need to talk to Bob or to make sure that you are getting this newsletter so that you know how to pray for the ministry of Ecuador. Uh, thanks for having me here this morning. I have one more thing for you before I leave. Uh, I have a video to show you just to give you a taste of what the ministry in life is like in Ecuador. There are tons of kids' pictures, so I hope that you enjoy it. And it just um, gives you a better idea of what life is like in Ecuador. Thank you again for having me here.